with another podcast. If you like listening to these podcasts, please subscribe and leave a good rating on iTunes. Also, share them with your friends and check out the other great podcasts available through the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations. Just visit jacksonpriest.com. That's jacksonpriest with an S dot com. homily from the Solemnity of Pentecost, given at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Greenville, Mississippi. When I was preparing to enter the first grade, my family moved from South Jackson to Ridgeland. And even though I only lived in that first home for a few years, I can still vividly remember the layout and what the neighborhood looked like, how the streets turned. As I was growing up, there were days every now and then, not often, when we would finish a visit with my grandparents and decide to just drive by that old house and see if it was still there. Was it repainted? Were the same bushes still out there in the front yard? The places that are important to us usually carry particular meanings. The place where you grew up, where you went to school, where you were married. Even more so, the places where we faced troubles. The hospital room where your father died. That place where you last saw a former friend and parted ways with less than kind words. Usually, when we return to those places, we get a feeling again of what it was like that day. We remember a number of things. The people who were there. How hot it was. Or maybe just a smell. Returning to that place occasionally, for better or for worse, brings that moment back to us. The church does that each year. Each year, she draws closer once again to that day of the Lord's birth. And so she starts telling all those stories to get us ready. And sets the mood brings back that smell of frankincense filling the air. She urges us to listen to the angels singing glory to God, and then we're back there, back in Bethlehem again. It's all as it was for her those 2,000 years ago. She was there, after all. And then Holy Thursday comes, and she gathers us together at night again. It's a friendly party. The doors are closed. She starts to take away some of the trappings we usually have up during the year, and we get a little less formal. Then Good Friday comes and she runs right back into mourning. She remembers the emotion of that afternoon, and all her churches are bare all day long. Until Easter, when suddenly she becomes revivified with light and smells and candles and music. Then comes today, Pentecost, the last day of this great festival, and she puts us right back in the upper room with the apostles and our Blessed Lady, so that we can join them in praying. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The apostles had been promised that when Christ left them, they would receive the Holy Spirit. He would be with them always. He would remind them of everything they learned from Christ. He would comfort them at their sense of loss. Nine days before, they watched their Lord go up into heaven with tear-filled eyes, staring up into the sky, knowing that their home was no longer on this earth because Christ was no longer on this earth. And now, nine days later, 
they are really feeling the loss of their closest friend. And so they gather in that room that meant so much to them, that room where he promised he would come to them again, and they pray, Come, Holy Spirit. They probably didn't know what exactly they were praying for, but come, Holy Spirit. And we come together today again, and each prayer and anthem we sing echoes the same words, perhaps with the same sense of confusion, come, Holy Spirit. There is a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit, isn't there? With the Father, we can identify with Him. We know what a Father is. We can picture this regal and godly Father in our mind. We can identify with the Son, with His cross. We can look at all the images of his, Him crucified. But with the Spirit, it's difficult, isn't it? We give Him this image of a dove or of tongues of fire, but it's hard to really identify with a tongue of fire. And so the problem is we start to see the Holy Spirit as the outlier, don't we? Who is the Holy Spirit? The first and the most important thing to say is that He is God. We should already know that, but it probably still needs to be said. And not only is he God, but he is equally God to both the Father and the Son. Each week in the Creed, we say, I believe in the Father, I believe in the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. They all have equal weight. The preface for Trinity Sunday, which we will hear sung next week, proclaims, For what the Father has revealed to us of his glory, we believe equally of his Son and of the Holy Spirit, so that in confessing the true and eternal Godhead, he might be adored in what is proper to each person, their unity in substance, and their equality in majesty. The Holy Spirit is no mere messenger or assistant to the Father and the Son. Nor is he like the cool uncle. We also seem to turn him into that from time to time, as if the Father and the Son are the boring types with all their laws, and the Holy Spirit is the more messy one who gives us all the gifts. Christ promised the apostles they would receive the Holy Spirit precisely because he was going away from them, and knew they needed to be comforted. He wasn't about to send them someone completely different. In reality, he sent himself, manifest in the third person of the Most Blessed Trinity. And so, in like manner, what the Holy Spirit will do for the Church will be to continue the ministry begun by Christ the Son while he dwelt in bodily form on this earth. And so the moment comes. And just as when Moses climbed up a Mount Sinai, today wind rushes into the upper room, into the heart of the Church and fire appears, and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then something interesting happens. They all speak in different tongues. Now this needs clarification, because it is a point that modern Protestantism has greatly affected. What does it mean to say that the Holy Spirit gives them the gift of tongues? Well, St. Luke explains this to us just a few verses later. He says, Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Something remarkable is happening here. You see, before, the Jewish religion was confined to a particular culture. All these people are gathered in Jerusalem from different nations, yes, but they are gathered as devout Jews to celebrate a particular feast. They probably could all speak Greek, or at least enough Greek and Hebrew to participate in these rites. But the Holy Spirit is enabling the apostles to speak in other languages, in the pagan and the Gentile languages, because the church's mission is to them. It's being defined on this day. The church is meant to go out to all the world, to every nation and people, as the Spirit enables them to do. 
And that's exactly what happens. From this moment on, the band of apostles starts to split up. Thomas heads off to India. Andrew travels north to Greece. Peter eventually goes to Rome. All of the apostles go off, and the gospel is made incarnate in each nation, people, and culture. And so this early gift of the Spirit isn't to enable the apostles to speak in some secret language. It's actually the opposite. It's to enable them to preach the gospel to everyone. We often speak of today as the birthday of the church. I don't always use that term, uh, that terminology, but truly on this day, the ministry of the church is widened far beyond Israel. So then the question rises, why don't we see these sort of phenomena anymore? Why don't we walk out every Sunday speaking Choctaw or Portuguese? The instruction to the bishop in the rite of confirmation answers this question for us. It says, Even if today the coming of the Holy Spirit is no longer widely made manifest by the gift of tongues, we know by faith that the Spirit, through whom the love of God has been poured into our hearts, and through whom we are gathered in unity of faith and in diversity of callings, is received by us and is working invisibly to make the church holy and one. Or as St. Augustine teaches, The world then cannot receive him, because it does not see him or know him. For worldly love has not those invisible eyes, with which the Holy Spirit may be seen. For he cannot be seen except in an invisible manner. But you shall know him, because he shall abide with you, and shall be in you. What is the ministry of the Spirit today? It's the same thing that Christ promised to the apostles, to confirm us in truth and remind us of all he said to us. If the church is the mystical body as St. Paul teaches us, then the Holy Spirit is the soul of the church. The soul enlivens the body, and so too does the Spirit enliven the church with the love of truth and a remembrance of the marvelous works of God. Our gathering this morning to recall Pentecost Day is itself an act of the Spirit. But on a deeper level, the working of the Holy Spirit in the church manifests itself in the preservation of the church's doctrine in all her official pronouncements. It manifests itself in the continual unity and stability of the church, despite centuries of difficulties. One of the writers I consulted spoke of the Spirit as gradually working in all the peoples of the world, like little tributaries bringing water all across the planet. Each culture had some knowledge of God, some small understanding of this or that article of the faith, until finally, on Pentecost morning, it all coalesced and poured into that upper room. And now, the church knows who God is. We know who it is we worship this morning. We know him to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we can have confidence in the teachings that the church puts before us to be believed as true, because they come from her, who is enlivened by the Spirit. But we also know that the work of the Holy Spirit is not yet complete. The face of the earth has yet to be fully renewed. And so we pray again and again in today's Mass, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Alleluia.